Hello and welcome to another episode of Down Murder Lane, True Crime Podcast. This is episode three. We are still with... Wait, is it four? Well, no, it's episode three, part two. Oh, sorry. Jesus. Heather. <laughs> We've only had one glass of wine. Uh, not even a whole one. Snoop is trying to help Pay us no get attention through. To me. Okay, carry on. Okay, so this is part two. Uh, we're still in Milwaukee with Jeffrey Dahmer. That's Heather. This is Jessica. <laughs> Uh, and we are excited to um, still be on location in Milwaukee, discussing you know the rest of the craziness that is Jeffrey Dahmer. Resuming where we left off. Yes, I really need to finish the story. This is going to be a longer episode because we have more um, to talk about. A lot more craziness went down. Hey, shit just got really crazy. Yeah, he just wilded out. He gave in us Milwaukee. a lot of material. Yeah. So this is like double the amount we did last time, and I want to get him out of my head. I'm tired of thinking about him, him and this craziness. So, so we, welcome to my life when I was twelve. I know. I now I could see why like that would totally. It was. It it was yeah. It was a problem, and I didn't tell anybody. I was yeah. like, because like well, think about what you obsess about when you're like twelve and thirteen. Like, no. like even have like a boy crush. Yeah. Or you have to watch Jonathan something. Jonathan Taylor on... Thomas. Oh my gosh, I was Jessica Taylor Thomas. Yeah. Don't, oh my god. JTT. <laughs> so, think about that. Oh my god, you probably just were obsessing about it. But well, anyway. it was it, yeah, it was it was a little all consuming for my twelve year old brain. Oh jeez, this is what messed us up. I did. But okay, so we are going to continue. Going to carry on with Dahmer. All right, so come take a trip with us down, down Murder Lane. All right, everyone, to pick up where we left off, we are telling the story of our friend Jeffrey. He's He's not my friend. (laughs) He's not really my friend either, but I mean, he's, I've known him for a long time. Sure have. Yeah. His childhood and early adulthood, family backstory, and first murder. So all that leads us here to West Dallas, Wisconsin, my hometown, and the next 10 years of just simply horrific events. Dahmer's living arrangements with his grandma were actually pretty pleasant. He accompanied her to church and helped her with things around the house while seeking work. This positive new influence in his life helped him to find a job in 1982 as a flea botanist at the Milwaukee Blood Plasma Center. He stayed at this job for about 10 months before eventually being laid off. For the next two years, Dahmer remained unemployed, living off of whatever money his grandmother gave him. On August 7th, 1982, Dahmer was arrested at Wisconsin State Fair Park for indecent exposure when he was observed to expose himself to a crowd of 25 women and children. He was found guilty and fined 50 bucks. Like, that's it. I know. 50 bucks? I know. I mean, like, did you ever get an underage drinking ticket? No. I did, and I had to pay a lot more than $50. Jeez, so you can just have been like, showing it out, you're (laughs) going to pay less. Cream puffs. Yes. In in uh, January 1985, Dahmer was hired as a mixer at M- the Milwaukee Ambrosia Chocolate Factory, where he worked the third shift from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., six nights a week, with his typical night off being Saturday. So by the late uh, 1985, uh, Dahmer had begun to frequent Milwaukee bathhouses, and I guess these were called, the actual place was called Club Bath. Never what? heard of these things. I don't know. There was bathhouses in yeah. Milwaukee? Yeah. Hmm. In 85. Um, and he called these his relaxing places. Uh, during his sexual encounters here, he became frustrated at his partners moving too much during their sexual acts. That's, uh... Yeah. Foreshadowing, <laughs> right? 
For uh, for this reason, beginning in June 1986, he started giving sleeping pills to his partners and also giving them alcohol-laced drinks with the sedatives inside of them, then raping their unconscious bodies. So why couldn't he just be like, hey, I'd really like it if you just, just lay don't move. still. Just, right? I don't just know. Just lay still. Like, stop moving so much. I don't know. But instead he's like, you know, I think I'm just going to give you drugs. To yeah, me. just make you, st- I don't know. I, I guess we can't understand it, but... I don't know. So after about uh, 12 such instances and many other complaints from other members, the bathhouse's staff revoked his membership, and Jeffrey then began to use hotel rooms to continue his practice. So, so the bathhouses were basically places where you could hook up with people? I guess. I know. I need to do more research on these club bath in Milwaukee. I just was like... Okay, I never heard of these things, but anyway. I don't know. I mean, like, back in the day on, what was the radio station, like, I think it was, like, 102.1 or something, Cramp and Adler, they used to do, like, missed connections. Okay. From Craigslist, and they would do, like, locker room missed connections, like, hi, you gave me the whatever in the, in the locker room, and what? it was great, so let's hook up again but how would the other people so they're just hoping somebody would yeah just go around and like read it or something yeah. and then like write in them like, back in like the the sauna you have a sauna <laughs> right here jessica we're, we're sitting right in front of a sauna right now yeah. that's never been used by the way so apparently this is a thing yeah so maybe it's like that's what the bathhouses were for i guess i don't know i'm, I'm thinking to... bathhouses like a bunch of jacuzzis and pools and grapes and fans that's what i'm envisioning in my head but i'm sure it wasn't like that okay we're going sounds like it was a busy place a relaxing place he said so shortly after his bathhouse membership was taken away uh Dahmer read a report in a newspaper regarding the upcoming funeral of an 18 year old male um he actually went to the funeral this is weird um he thought the idea of stealing the corpse and taking it home uh, but Dahmer later stated that he attempted to dig up the coffin from the ground, but found the soil was too hard and deserted the plan. So he went to the boys. Fu- he saw it in the paper, the funeral or like the funeral announcements or the death announcement, went to the funeral, weird, and then like followed the procession to the burial and then went back there. I don't like Crazy. That. Yeah. So um, in... August 1986, Dahmer was arrested for masturbating in front of two 12-year-old boys as he stood close to the Kinney Connect River. He initially admitted the offense, but quickly changed his story and claimed he um, had just been urinating, unaware that there were any people around. He was charged with disorderly contact, conduct on March 10th, 1987, and was sentenced to one year of probation. And I like I grew up very close to the... Yeah, this KK River in Parkway. And there were a lot of kids in the neighborhood, like had older siblings, who said that they saw him. So weird. But they just didn't report it because, you know, oh, yeah. it was a weird time. So, anyways. Um, so, on November 20th, 1987, uh, Dahmer met Stephen um outside of Club 19. He was a 25-year-old man from... Anton, Anton, I don't even know. Antonagan. Antonagan. See, I've, I've just, actually I'm been all, there. Really? I'm just going to refer to you. It's okay. I've actually been on there. these weird. It's a, it's a very small town in Lake Superior, um, in the upper peninsula of Michigan. I've actually been there. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I'm glad because I had no idea how to pronounce that. Okay. There's not a whole lot going on there. Sounds like it. That's yeah. probably why he was like, we yeah. We had to drive. We were staying in a cabin with one of my friends in college. We had to drive 
to a truck stop to take a shower because the cabin didn't have any... Ew. Yeah, it wasn't... It really wasn't my cup of tea. But anyways, <laughs> okay. on to Noggin, Michigan. I okay, think. there we go. And um, so he met uh, Stephen. He persuaded him to return to the Ambassador Hotel where Dahmer had rented a room for the evening. Dahmer had plans to drug and rape him as he lay unconscious and had no intentions of actually murdering him. The following morning when he awoke, he found Tiomi laying uh, beneath him on the bed and his chest was crushed in yeah. and he had black and blue uh, bruises. He was black and blue with bruises and then Dahmer also had bruises on his own fist and on his four, his forearms. So Dahmer later stated he had no memory of having killed uh, Tiomi. Tuomi, I can have you say that last name too. So, so he killed him and basically blacked out? Yeah. Or blacked out and then killed him because he had no idea. Hmm. Yes. Not good, Jeff. Not hmm. good. All right. So to dispose of his body, Dahmer brought a large suitcase, which he used to transport the body back to his grandma's house. One week later, he dismembered the body. Wait, one week? Mm-hmm. He had it for one week? Yeah. Because remember when you- Listening to some of this, yeah. like, Grandma's like, Jeffrey, it smells down there. Dude, I don't know. One week later, okay, so he dismembered the body in the basement, cut the flesh into pieces, and placed them in trash bags. He wrapped the bones inside a sheet and pounded them with a sledgehammer. The entire dismemberment process took him about two hours. He then disposed the remains in the trash, keeping only his head. For the next two weeks, Dahmer retained the victim's head wrapped in a blanket. He boiled the head in a mixture of Soylex, which is detergent, and bleach in an effort to retain the skull, which he then used as motivation for masturbation, which is pretty disgusting. Gross. Eventually, the skull became too brittle um, by the bleaching process, and he pulverized it and disposed of it. Following the murder of Tuomi, Dahmer began to actively seek victims near gay bars and whom he typically lured to his grandma's home. There, he drugged them before or shortly after engaging in sexual activity with them. Once he had rendered them unconscious with sleeping pills, he killed them by strangulation. So then his next murder came about two months later when Dahmer met 14-year-old James Doxtater outside of Club 219 in Milwaukee. Um, Dahmer lured the youth to his house with an offer of $50 to pose for nude pictures. Okay, so he was charged $50 for masturbating or exposing himself yep. at <laughs> mm-hmm. at state fair and but you can make $50 by posing for news yeah so he's pictures. like I'll pay that fine for sure he's like sure dude whatever yeah, yeah. basically a wash right yeah who's yeah. on the $50 bill I don't Grant it's like so it's like not all about the Benjamins, but all about the I think Grants. It's Grants. <laughs> like one of those. I'm gonna look it up. Hold on, hold on. That's really funny. The people, the people in the podcast that are listening are like, you guys are really dumb. Okay, U.S. fifty dollar bill. I think it's Grant. I wish I knew presidents more. It's totally Ulysses S. Grant. You're so smart. You know, I just have a lot of really random, useless knowledge no, that's in great. this brain. And look, it's worked out again. It worked out. All right. Okay. Okay. So, 50 bones to pose for nude pictures. 50 bones, no pun intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once there, Dahmer drugged Oxtator and strangled him on the floor of his basement, pretty much his standard operating procedure these mm-hmm. days. He left the body in the cellar for one week before dismembering it in much the same manner as he had with Tuomi. 
And then on March 24th, 1988, Dahmer met 22-year-old Richard Guerrero outside a gay bar called The Phoenix. Dahmer lured Guerrero to his grandmother's residence, although the incentive on this occasion was $50 to simply spend the remainder of the night with him. So basically like $50, just hang out with me. Yeah, he must have like one $50 bill like stashed in his front pocket that he like... Do you think it's a fake $50 Yeah, bill? it's like in half. You know those fake ones that used to be like in half? And then you open it up, it's like blank piece of paper, you know? <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to use this. I'm going to show it to you at the beginning yeah. of the pocket. Hey, Richard. <laughs> Want to hang out? And he's like, yeah, dude, that sounds fun. Yeah. 50 bucks. Yeah. All right. Then he drugged Guerrero with sleeping pills and strangled him with a leather strap. Dahmer then performed oral, oral sex on the corpse. I mean... Yeah. I just, I'm sorry, but so I'm he starting stay to. Still. <laughs> he wanted him to stay still. I'm thinking of logistics. I know. I don't like, know. Did he wait for rigor mortis to set in? No, because that would be hours. I know. I know what you're getting at. <laughs> I'm not going down that road with you. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that was his, that okay. was his thing. I had to leave it in there. So yeah. So, I'll have to I'll have to look into the timing. Yes, of that. you let us know. <laughs> look up the medical, see yeah. if that could even be done. I mean, maybe he was very patient. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay, <laughs> before eventually dismembering him, and I'm yeah. laughing while talking about dismemberment. Um. Yes, before eventually dismembering him, and then on to Jessica. Yeah, just like I was eating snacks, I'm like, I'm eating a bowl of cereal and drinking a beer and typing Dahmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like something's wrong with us, obviously. And I'm laughing about oral sex and rigor mortis. Like, cheers, what? friend, because that's why we're I friends. I don't even know what's wrong with me. Cheers. But, you know. Okay. That's who I am. On um, April 23rd, Dahmer lured another young man to his house. However, after giving the victim a drugged coffee, both he and the victim heard grandmother's um, Dahmer's grandmother call, Is that you, Jeff? So they must have been in the basement. Mm. And uh, Dahmer replied in a manner wow, that. meatloaf. Yeah, that's what it made me think of. <laughs> Dahmer replied in a manner that led his grandmother to believe he was alone. But this exchange spooked him, and he opted not to kill this particular victim. Wow, that kind of got lucky. I know. Instead of instead waiting until he had became unconscious before dropping him off at the county general hospital. I also read another in this book I got saying that he just left him and he dragged him out to a field. So hmm. I'm not sure exactly what the right answer is, but I'll just throw that out there. But. I heard also that they that he brought him to the hospital. County okay. general is now what's called Freighters. Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. That's where I had Emily. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Okay, so in September 1988, Dahmer's grandmother asked him to move out because of his habit of bringing young men home late at night and the foul smells coming from both the basement and the garage. Yeah. Dahmer, yeah. Uh, Good move, Grams. Yeah. Dahmer ended up finding a one-bedroom apartment on North 25th Street and moved into his new residence on September 25th. So, literally the next day, on September 26th, he was arrested for drug, drugging and fondling a 13-year-old boy whom he lured to his apartment on uh, the promise of money for posing nude for photographs. And this boy is Somsac Synthesis Foam. Mm. So, I heard or read recently when I was doing some work for this that he, well, the, the neighborhood that he moved into was not a particularly great neighborhood. Um, and that he specifically picked that neighborhood because there was a lot of criminal and drug activity. And he thought that he, as he, 
Milwaukee is a very segregated city. So he felt as though a white man in a primarily black neighborhood, nobody that was going to pay him any Nobody mind. was going to pay him any attention. Yep. So he felt like, well, there's a lot of drug activity, a lot of prostitution in this neighborhood. So people aren't, the cops aren't going to pay any attention to me. Yeah. Nobody's going to pay attention to me. Yeah. So that's like, why he picked that neighborhood. Yep. I read that too. So in January 1989, Dahmer was then convicted of second degree sexual assault and enticement of a child. So during this time, Jeff moved back into his grandmother's house. So he, um, you know, this poor family with their, you know, 13 year old son is, you know, molested by yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer. And then later on, you're going to meet, see that last name again, but it's, it's just heartbreaking. So two months after this assault or his conviction and two months prior to his sentences, sentencing for the sexual assault, Dahmer murdered his fifth victim. Uh, Dahmer met 24-year-old Anthony Sears at a gay bar on March 25th, 1989. It was called Lacage. Mm-hmm. It's still Fun there, fact. right? Oh, it's- yes. I've been there many times. Fun fact, I went dancing there for my bachelorette party. That is so funny. I went in the cage in Lacage. They oh, brought the me cage. up in yes. the cage with gay men that were wearing like speedos and we were like dancing together to Britney Spears and it was one of yes. the peak moments of my life. <laughs> peak moment. Peak moment in my life. <laughs> they were giving me champagne and I was dancing with Aww. gay men in a cage at Lacage at my bachelorette party. I love that story. And we went there because when you're with a group of women, one of the safest places you can go to not get hit on by gross guys yeah. is a gay bar. So that's why we went dancing at Lacage for my bachelorette party. Yeah. It was very fun. No, that's not Anyways, I digress. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. So he once again lured Sears, um, you know, his his huge, mm-hmm. to his grandmother's home, where he uh, where the pair engaged in oral sex before Dahmer drugged and strangled him. So wait, he did it before he died this time? Yep. Mixing it because up. Because he really liked Anthony Sears. He later talks about how he was, like, so beautiful, and he's, the, you know, mm. here, let me just tell you the rest. So the following morning, Dahmer placed... I know which one Anthony Sears yeah, is. Yeah, he was, like, apparently he, like, really, really liked this one. Yeah. The following morning, Dahmer placed the corpse in his grandmother's bathtub where he began the dismemberment. He then stripped the flesh from the body and pulverized the bones, which were again disposed of in the trash. Uh, for this particular victim, he preserved the, his head and genitalia, uh, he preserved them in acetone and stored them in his work locker. So this is the first time he he keeps the keeps genitalia. a piece. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. because he really liked him. Yep. Um, when he moved to his new address the following year, he took the remains there. Mm. Yeah. So not good. Mm. So on May twenty third, nineteen eighty nine, Dahmer was sentenced to five years probation and one year in the House of Corrections with work release. So he was able to keep his job. He was also required to register as a sex offender. Two months before his scheduled release from the work camp, Dahmer was paroled. Upon release, Dahmer temporarily moved back to his grandmother's home. But on May 14, 1990, he moved to the Oxford Apartments, located on North 25th in Milwaukee, apartment 213. And that's the neighborhood we just referenced earlier. Within one week of his moving to his new apartment, Dahmer had killed his sixth victim, 32-year-old Raymond Smith. Raymond was lured to the apartment with a promise of $50 for sex. The same $50 bill. Same $50 bill, <laughs> that fake one. On the- Once inside the apartment, he gave Smith a drink laced with seven sleeping pills and manually strangled him. The following day, Dahmer bought a Polaroid camera with which he took pictures of Smith's body and subjective, subject, 
excuse me, suggestive. There There we go. go. I've only had one glass of wine and I can't even speak properly. Positions before dismembering him in his bathroom. He once again started dismembering and disposal process, but kept his skull, which he then spray painted and kept in a metal filing cabinet along Sears. Well, first of all, if you have a Polaroid camera, you're a serial killer. You can fight me on that, but if you have a Polaroid, do you have a Polaroid camera? I do not, but I'm going to tell you in my like professional life, I'm a wedding planner. Yeah. And a lot of my brides do DIY photo booths and they all have Polaroids. <laughs> one, of, one of my weddings this weekend, they have a Polaroid at the thing well if you had a polar camera in the 80s yeah or early 90s no for real you were a serial killer no they nowadays they use like those instapic ones yeah like that's they're like new yeah cute and pink and stuff yeah, so i don't really... come out with like cute backgrounds yeah. and stuff like that yeah but i okay. mean i i hear you sister yeah a van and a polaroid camera yeah and if it's a white van and if it has windows with blinds on it you're getting murdered sister for real okay sorry. okay so he spray painted and, you know, a skull, just no big deal. Yep. And then put it in the filing cabinet just for future reference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in June 1990, Dahmer lured 27-year-old Edward Smith to his apartment and he met Mr. Smith at Phoenix Bar in Milwaukee. Again, drugs drugged him and strangled him, his pretty much standard operating procedure. On this occasion, rather than immediately executing his previous processes, Dahmer placed Smith's skeleton in his freezer. Mm-hmm. So he lives in an apartment, so it's just like a regular refrigerator freezer. Well, first of all, how is he killing like people a week after moving in? I I don't even know where my dishes are a week after moving <laughs> in anywhere. I I didn't even like I like had like a, a like a patio chair to sit at and yeah. watch TV. Yeah, like don't you have a job? Like how do you have time to do that? To I get know. a freezer, put a freezer up, and it was upstairs. Yeah. So yeah, and like, how do you? Okay, so your priorities in life are buying a Polaroid camera, yep. killing people, mm-hmm. so he probably had a spray-painted oh, skull. Oh, don't forget the metal filing oh, cabinet. Oh, sorry, yeah. Filing cabinet to keep his skulls organized. <laughs> Alphabetical order. <laughs> okay. It's wrong. So wrong. We're going to get a lot of negative feedback on this episode. They're going to be like, I don't know about these girls. Nope. All right. <laughs> so, anyways... Less than three months after the murder of Smith, Dahmer encountered a 22-year-old man named Ernest Miller, who was from Chicago. On the corner of North 27th Street, Miller agreed to accompany Dahmer to his apartment for $50. Holla! To allow him to listen to his heart and stomach. (laughs) I mean, like, why would you even, like... First of all, if you think, like, that somebody comes out to me, like, oh, can I take a picture of your foot for $100 or something like that? Like... Uh, no, no, like it sounds too good. Like this sounds too good to be true. Probably, yeah. I mean, this fifty dollars in nineteen ninety money. Yeah, which is a lot. I so mean, he comes the up to him is. and is like, "Hey, dude, can I give you fifty bucks to listen to your heart and stomach?" And the guy's like, "No, this is not weird at all." <laughs> and I'll totally go to your apartment with yeah, you. Yeah, sounds great. Ooh, Sign me up. Nineties were crazy. Sounds good. All right, I bet you don't have a filing cabinet of skulls or anything in your yeah. house. Yeah. Okay. When Dahmer tried to perform oral sex upon Miller, he was told that'll cost you extra. This guy. <laughs> I mean, he knew. He, he's trying to make some money. Yeah. So, wait. Dahmer was going to do it to him? And he said, Try, that's yep. going to co- cost you extra? Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. This Miller guy. Yep. Dahmer then in, gave his intended victim a drink laced with two sleeping pills. So, not seven. Yeah. Two. He was running low. Yeah. 
He didn't have enough time to go to the store <laughs> to get more. Too busy moving in his cabinet. I'm just envisioning, filing. like, having a cabinet. You got your big blue gallon drum in the corner. I mean, we'll get to that later, but... And then a couch. And then, like, I'm picturing, like, moving boxes or, like, a coffee table as a, a box or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm picturing, like, like a TV that's really old and maybe, like, still black and white. Because TV's on a milk crate. Yeah, it's on a milk crate. And I'm picturing, like, some, like, a lamp with no lampshade. Mm-hmm. Just, like, an empty bulb. Yeah. With, like, a lamp. And then I'm picturing, like, I don't know if he smoked or not, but for some reason I'm picturing, like, ashtrays. Mm-hmm. I don't think he did. No? You know, I didn't oh. I didn't see that in any of the research, but. Okay. Okay. So. Two, two sleeping pills. Yeah, two pills. sleeping pills. This did not render him completely unconscious. I mean, no shit. Sometimes I take two unisoms and that shit doesn't render me unconscious for sure yeah i still lay there and go down rabbit holes john Mm -hmm. benet and crap anyways so jeff killed miller by slashing his carotid how do you say that car carotid i don't know his carotid 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 artery Ah. sorry we're you know yeah we should know this stuff he slashed his carotid artery in his neck with a knife causing miller to bleed to death Dahmer then posed the nude body for various suggestive Polaroid pics before placing the body in his bathtub for the dismemberment and disposal process. Dahmer had a different objective on his mind during this process. He wrapped Miller's heart, biceps, and portions of legs in plastic bags and placed them in the fridge for later consumption. He then continued the disposal, keeping only his skull. I was just going to make a really horrible joke. And I don't know if I should or let's, if I shouldn't. But we have, like, a lot more to get to, so we'll just, yeah. Okay, Maybe so we won't. I just, I'm just going to refrain from that because yeah. I feel like we might, it might come up later. It might come up later. It's really okay. off-color and bad, Okay. so I'm just not going to say it. Okay. We'll just leave you guessing. Okay. Yeah. A real cliffhanger. Well, I'm sure she'll say it later. Don't yeah. worry, guys. It's a real cliffhanger. Okay, so three weeks later, um, at a bar called C'est La Vie, um, on September 24th, Dahmer met 22-year-old David Thomas. Um... He persuaded him to return to his apartment for a few drinks with additional money um, on offer if he would pose for photographs. Dahmer gave Thomas a drink uh, laden with sedatives, and after he was passed out, he strangled him and dismembered the body, taking photographs during dismemberment process, but did not retain any of Thomas's body. Uh, Dahmer then took a five-month hiatus, although it is believed that uh, that was not purposeful um, because during um, like October 1990 through February 1991, he um, unsuccessfully lured, attempted to lure people. I saw it on the, it was like five, he, he tried to get like five other people, but was yeah. shot down, I guess. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, that's fake 50. <laughs> Jeff, you old I don't want you know, someone trickster. to listen to my heart and stomach. No, I don't even you see a death of soap around here. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, so then in February 1991, Dahmer lured 17-year-old Curtis Strotter to his apartment with an offer of money for posing for nude photos with the added incentive of sexual intercourse. Dahmer drugged and strangled uh, Strotter with a leather strap, then dismembered him uh, with Dahmer retaining the skull, hands, and genitals and photographing each stage of the dismemberment process. Yuck. I know. On April 7th, only two short months later, Dahmer met 19-year-old, is it Errol Lindsay? Errol Lindsay. Errol yeah. Lindsay. Uh, Dahmer lured Lindsay to his apartment where he drugged him, but this time he stepped it up. He drilled a hole in his skull and poured um, hydrochloric acid into it, 
According to Dahmer, Lindsay awoke after this experiment, which Dahmer had uh, conceived in the hope of inducing a permanent, unresistant, submissive state. Like he wanted like a sex zombie. Uh, but he woke up during this process saying, I have a headache and what time is it? Uh, Dahmer immediately drugged Lindsay and strangled him. He decapitated Lindsay and retained his skull and then followed this, uh, his same process of dismemberment. So mm. we're getting to where he's saving all these skulls in his cabinet. We know we have the full skeleton, you know, sitting in the acid bath or the the bleach detergent bath. So He's, he's getting a little... Yeah. I mean, he's there, I think. But he's just, he's saving all these to eventually do something, right? Yeah. It's, it's building. Yep. Yeah. So by 1991, other residents of the Oxford Apartments had repeatedly complained to the manager of the foul smells coming from apartment 213, in addition to the sounds of loud bangs and the occasional sound of a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. The manager did contact Dahmer in response to these complaints, but Jeffrey dismissed her, saying it was because his freezer broke and some meat had spoiled. And on later occasions, he told them that the reason for the odor was that several of his tropical fish had recently died. I wonder if the fish tank was on milk crates, too. I bet you it was. (laughs) Okay. So I'm just, like, picturing this, like, really, like, creepy and maybe like bed sheets for curtains mm-hmm. and like the light from like the the fish tank and okay wisconsin question because mm-hmm. I, I immediately thought of tin foil on the windows why do i still see that why do people put tin foil on their windows i've never seen tin foil on the windows really i've seen mm-hmm. that where where are you like going? throughout milwaukee i guess i don't know i was down by like 27th and layton driving there a couple days ago and I was like oh that house why does that house have tin foil is it on supposed its to be like a good insulator or something I don't mm, know I don't know I've never seen that I thought you would know no. okay sorry sorry good question if anybody knows feel free to message us or to email us at slide in our DMs. slide there you go <laughs> that's a good callback yeah okay so on May 26 1991 Dahmer met a 14-year-old named Conrad Synthesamphone so that name you heard it earlier in this episode. Um, that was the younger brother. The younger brother of Conorak that he sexually assaulted. I'm sorry, the other the other brother. The that was his older. Or, no, right. I think that was his older brother. From the same family. Yes. So we met him on Wisconsin Avenue. Um, by coincidence, Cynthia Samphone was the younger brother of there the boy go. whom Dahmer had molested in nineteen eighty eight. He lured the youth to his apartment with an offer of money. Now, we don't know if it was $50, but I'm assuming it probably probably was. To pose for Polaroid pictures. Dahmer then drugged Conorak into unconsciousness and performed oral sex on him. So this is a 14-year-old. Jesus. He then drilled a single hole into Synthesamphone's skull, through which he injected hydrochloric acid into before falling unconscious, um, Dahmer led the boy into his bedroom where the body of 31-year-old Tony Hughes, whom Dahmer had killed three days earlier, lied naked on the floor. So there's a dead body in his room from someone he killed three days before. Mm-hmm. He gets this 14-year-old boy, drugs him, drills a freaking hole in his skull, then injects hydrochloric acid into the skull of this boy, then leads him into the room where the dead body is. Yeah. So Dahmer then drank several beers while laying alongside Sensa Samphone before leaving his apartment to drink at a local bar and then purchase more alcohol. So he's like, I'm just going to hang out for a little bit and then I'm going to go out. Yeah. So like, you just go out and then come back later and you got a dead guy and like a half dead kid. 
It's crazy. Yeah. In the early morning hours of May 27th, Dahmer returned towards his apartment to discover Synthesam phone sitting outside naked on the corner of 25th and State surrounded by three women. So he left to go to the bar and the kid whom he did horrible things to was outside. Skate, so he yeah. walks up and he's like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. What am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. So Dahmer approached the woman and explained that Synthesam phone was his friend. And attempted to lead them to his apartment, lead him to the apartment by his arm. So, like, oh, hey, he's with me. Mm-hmm. Come with me, honey, you know, whatever. But the woman said that they had already called 911 and the police were on their way. So, again, Jeff's probably like, shit. Because mm-hmm. remember, he's already got a dead body in his yeah. house. He's got the filing cabinet of skulls. Yep. He's got the vat. He's got the, the skeleton mm-hmm. in the freezer. He's got a and lot of the shit. the meat and in the fridge. The dead fish. Jeez. He's yep. got all, a lot mm-hmm. of things happening right now. That. So shortly after, two Milwaukee police officers arrived, and Dahmer in- informed the officers that sent the Sam phone was his 19-year-old boyfriend, I'll mind you, he was 14, mm-hmm. who had gotten drunk after they had gotten into a fight. Against the protests of the three women, the officers simply covered Synthesam phone with a towel and walked him to the Dahmer's, to Dahmer's apartment, where in an effort to verify his claim that he and Synthesam phone were lovers, Dahmer showed the officers the two semi-nude Polaroid pictures he had taken of him that night. So wait, wait, wait. He, like, took those pictures, mm-hmm. left them, and then went to the bar and is like, I'm just going to put those hot pictures I took of him in my pocket. Oh, no, he went, they were, the officers were in his apartment. Oh! They took him back, so they were in the Shit, apartment. I missed yeah. that. Okay, yikes. Yeah. All right. And so he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove it to you that he's my boyfriend, he's my lover. Here's the pictures that we took earlier tonight. So, yep. the cops are in the apartment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I oh, should they know this. Around. I'm a Milwaukee native. How am I missing this? This was a huge, it was a big problem in the city. And I know that there's still distrust. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, because of this incident, which was a very long time ago. But, yeah, it was a very sad situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, the officers then left with a departing remark that Dahmer needs to take good care of him. Upon the departure of the two officers from his apartment, Dahmer again injected um, hydrochloric acid into Synthesifum's head. On this second occasion, the injection proved fatal. The following day, uh, May 28th, Dahmer took a day's leave from work to devote himself to the dismemberment of the bodies of both him and Hughes. Just took some PTO. Yeah, he took got a day off. Like, I got with. two bodies I got to get done. Yeah, so. I got some stuff to do. I, yeah. I can't come to work today. Can you imagine? Like, all right, Jeff. Okay, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Have a good day. Good Maybe luck with your... HR, yeah. Good luck with your tasks. Yeah, he uh, retained both victims' skulls. So on June 30th, Dahmer traveled to Chicago, where he encountered 20-year-old Matt Turner at a bus station. Turner accepted Dahmer's offer to travel to Milwaukee for a professional photo shoot. Um, at the apartment, Dahmer drugged, strangled, and dismembered Turner and placed his head and internal organs in separate plastic bags in his freezer. Uh, five days later, on July 5th, Dahmer lured 23-year-old Jeremiah Weinberger from a Chicago bar to his apartment on the promise of spending the weekend with him. So he was traveling to Chicago. He's like... All these guys around here know my drill. They know my mm-hmm. fake 50. They know my MO. Like, I'm the creep. He probably smells. Well, and they, 
he just probably was looking for some, you know... He needed some fresh blood, I guess. Yeah. So he traveled to Chicago, which from Milwaukee is not that far. No. Like 90 miles. Um, and there's probably more... There's probably a livelier gay scene in Especially Chicago? in the early 90s in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he drugged... So when he gets uh, this Weinberger back to his house, uh, he drugged Weinberger and twice injected, this time boiling water through his skull. Jeez. And this sending him into a coma from which he died two days later. So he knew the um, hydrochloric acid was not working that had killed the victims. He, so he tried boiling water this time in an attempt to create this, you know, submissive state love zombie. Um, on July 15th, Dahmer encountered 24-year-old Oliver Lacey at the corner of 27th and Kilbourne. Lacey agreed to Dahmer's trick of posing nude for photographs and accompanied him to his apartment, where Dahmer drugged Lacey. Dahmer then strangled Lacey, had sex with his corpse, before dismembering him. He placed Lacey's head and heart in the refrigerator and his skeleton in the freezer. Um, On July 19th, Dahmer lured 25-year-old Joseph uh, Bradenhoff to his apartment. Bradenhoff was strangled and left lying on Dahmer's bed covered with a sheet for two days. And Bradenhoff was not gay. He was not homosexual. He was actually, he had married and was like, had kids. Oh, and he was just like hard on his luck. He was out looking for a job. Um, so he wasn't about any of that. So he was actually lured. I couldn't find, I found like a snippet that said that, but I don't know what he said to get him back. Probably with money for posing for if pictures. He, he probably took it. Yeah. Um, so then two days later, Dahmer removed his sheets to find that uh, the head was covered in maggots. Ugh, um, he then decapitated, I know. He then decapitated the body, cleaned the head, and placed it in the refrigerator. Uh, he later um, acidified Brainhoff's torso along with those of two other victims within the previous month in that big old blue the infamous drum, drum that sat in the corner of his bedroom. So crazy. Okay. All right. So moving right along, on June 20, July 22nd, 1991, Dahmer approached three men with an offer of 100 Dollars. That fifty dollar bill was worn. The fake one was worn. It was like it was the ink was coming off. It was time, and tell. it was also now the nineties, so it was like a little bit of inflation. So we needed to really up the ante. Got the hundred. Now he's got the Benjamins, baby. Now he's got the Benjamins. It's all about Benjamins, Jess. <laughs> all right. So he flashes them a hundo mm-hmm. to accompany him to his apartment to pose for nude photographs and drink beers. Upon or one of the men, thirty-two-year-old Tracy Edwards, agreed to accompany him. Upon entering Dahmer's apartment, Edwards noted a foul odor and several boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor, which Dahmer claimed to be used for cleaning bricks. Uh, what? So, like... Where's your bricks? Like, Why oh, you, you just cleaning? clean bricks? Like, Is that a job? Yeah, it's my hobby. I clean bricks. Like, I mean, I know it's Cream City with all the brick and... So, do you think that's what he was saying? Is like, I restore old buildings? Yeah, maybe. That's legit. I mean, that would make more sense. Yeah. So, like, hey, okay. what's all this hydrochloric acid for? Yeah. Oh, I just clean bricks. Yeah. Hopefully it was more... No big deal. <laughs> Hopefully it was more suave than yeah. that. All right. So, after some minor conversation, probably about the bricks, oh. Edwards responded to Dahmer's request to turn his head and view his tropical fish. Whereupon, Dahmer placed a handcuff upon his wrist. When Edwards asked what's happening, Dahmer was unse- unsuccessful in getting his other wrist cuffed but told Edwards to accompany him to the bedroom to pose for the nude pictures. While inside the bedroom, Edwards saw many nude male posters on the wall and the movie The Exorcist 3 playing on the TV. 
Edwards also noticed a blue 57-gallon drum in the corner, from which he said a strong odor emanated. Yeah, so one, The Exorcist 3, that's his favorite movie. That's yeah. Dahmer's favorite movie. He has it playing all the time. And then I also saw, like, um, the new male posters on the wall. I guess he actually saw them, and it was, like, it was nude pictures, but there was also pictures of, like, just a nude torso many different new like just body parts of men and he could tell like he put two and two together he's like wait this is was this taken here in this room like he must have had like a crazy comforters i don't know but i know he saw these pictures and, like he Whoa. figured out that they were probably taken there taken there yeah not crazy yes oh, my gosh so Dahmer then brandished a knife and informed edwards he intended to take nude pictures of him in an attempt to appease Dahmer. Edwards unbuttoned his shirt, saying he would allow him to do it if he would remove the handcuffs and put the knife away. In response to this promise, Dahmer simply turned away and started watching the movie. Edwards said Dahmer began rocking, rocking back and forth and chanting before turning his attention back to him. Dahmer then placed his head on Edwards' chest, listened to his heartbeat, and with the knife pressed against his intended victim, informed Edwards he intended to eat his heart. Could you imagine? Oh my gosh, I can't. So no. you're in this room with the exorcist playing and all these like creepy like nude pictures of guys all over the place. And then this 57 gallon drum, which who has that in their room and it smells bad. And this dude is handcuffing you. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I'm going to eat your heart. Yeah. I would be like, uh, yeah, this isn't good. No. Yeah. No, I got to get out of here. Yeah. So, in continuous attempts to prevent Dahmer from attacking him, Edwards repeated that he was Dahmer's friend. So, dude is smart. Yeah. Because yeah, he's this trying is the to, guy. like, empathize with him and, like, mm-hmm. I'm your friend. You know, like, yep. let's talk through this. Yep. That's what they say you're supposed to do. Yeah, I know. I've... Like, humanize them. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Humanize yourself, too. Right. Humanize yourself. Yeah. Right. So, Edwards told Jeffrey that he needed to use the bathroom. Upon using the bathroom, he asked if they could sit and have a beer in the living room together. While in the living room, Edwards waited until Dahmer had become distracted, then he punched him in the face, caused Jeffrey to lose his balance, and ran out the front door. This dude is smart. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. So Edwards flagged down two Milwaukee police officers at the corner of North 25th Street. The officers saw Edwards had a handcuff attached to uh, his wrist, whereupon he explained to the officers that a freak had placed them uh, the handcuffs upon him and asked if they could remove them. I so, could not even imagine running he out. He gets and, out of there and is like, holy mother of God. Yeah. I escaped, but this I need you to get this. Horrors. Yeah. And get these hand, this one handcuff on me. He didn't even want to say, he wasn't at first even saying, oh my gosh, help me. This guy is crazy. He's trying to do these things. He would just wanted to say, Hey, get this handcuff off me. But the officer's key could not remove the handcuffs. So Edwards and the officers had to go back to Dahmer's apartment where, Edward stated he had spent the previous five hours before five escaping. hours. Terrifying. Yeah. When the officers and Edwards arrived at apartment 213, Dahmer invited him in, come inside, and acknowledged he had placed the handcuffs upon Edwards. You know what I was like? I bet he didn't even have a key. I bet Jeffrey didn't even have a key. No, because why would he need it? Because he probably just, just gonna... cut the hand off and yeah. got the handcuffs. I just thought of oh, anyway. That's weird. Um, Edwards then told the officers that Dahmer had also threatened him with a large knife. Dahmer made no comment to this revelation, indicating to one of the officers that the key to the handcuffs were in his bedside dresser. So that he, like, uses them for, like, kinky things yeah. or whatever. 
But um, in the bedroom, the officer saw that there was, in fact, a large knife beneath the bed. He also saw an open drawer, which, upon closer look, contained many Polaroid pictures of human bodies in various stages of dismemberment. The officer quickly, up, Jeff. Yeah. The officer quickly deduced that those pictures were taken in that apartment in which he was standing. Ugh. I know. That officer. Ugh. When Dahmer saw the officers holding several of these Polaroids, he fought with the officers in an, att- an effort to resist arrest. The officers quickly overpowered him, cuffed his hands behind his back, and called a second squad car for backup. Oh, this is the... I hate this part. So as Dahmer lay pinned on the floor beneath one of the officers, he is quoted as saying... For what I did, I should be dead. Okay. You're good. Um, a more detailed search of the apartment conducted by the Milwaukee Police and uh, Criminal Investigation Bureau revealed a total of four severed heads, seven skulls, and two human hearts in his refrigerator. Ugh. In Dahmer's freezer, investigators uh, discovered an entire torso plus a bag of human organs. They also discovered two entire skeletons a pair of severed hands, two severed and preserved penises, I know, a mummified scalp, and in the 57-gallon drum, three further dismembered torsos dissolving in the acid solution. A total of 74 Polaroid pictures detailing the dismemberment of Dahmer's victims were also found. So, yeah, he had all these things, and he was keeping... um, You know, he wanted to build that shrine. He wanted to put the two skeletons on the side. He wanted the... You know, Anthony Sears was going to be in the middle because that was his favorite victim. Mm-hmm. His skull was in the middle, and then he was going to have the the other skulls. I saw a drawing of that he made of it, and it was like the skulls are going to be on the top, and it was going to be like he had like a black shower curtain behind it, and he was going to have candles lit, and he was going to use it as his place of meditation. So that's why he was keeping all of these skulls and, you know, skeletons and stuff like that. Well, and, you know, as we established in the previous episode... He had issues of abandonment. So there were these people that he was keeping with him. You want to keep him forever, yep. Oh, okay, so on July 23rd, 1991, and for the next two weeks, Dahmer was questioned by detectives totaling more than 60 hours. Dahmer said he wished to make a full confession and to end the horror he had created. He readily and freely admitted to having murdered 16 young men in Wisconsin since 1987, with one further victim, Stephen Hicks, killed in Ohio back in 1978. So, I we mentioned this in, in our episode where we talk about the crime that got us into true crime, but this is literally, like, that day, July 23rd, 1991, is the day yeah. that I became obsessed with true crime. Because you watched it on the as they were carrying. I it watched out. it on yeah. the news. Yeah. And I remember it. And we didn't have air conditioning in our house at the time, and it was really hot. And we were in the basement. Okay. And we were watching it. And I remember I was I had just turned twelve because my birthday's on July fourth, so I just turned twelve years old. And we were in the basement. And I was with my mom and dad and my brother. And I remember we were watching it, and I remember them wearing the yellow hazmat suits, and they were carrying the blue drums out of the apartment and I was 12. So I was clearly old enough to understand what was going yeah, on. Yeah. Um, and I remember my parents being like, we should turn this off, but they never did. Oh, cause they wanted to see it. They wanted to watch it, Where but you... they didn't tell me to go somewhere else. I yeah. was watching it too. Yeah. So anyways, that is when it all started for me. Okay, yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. So most of Dahmer's victims had been rendered unconscious prior to their murder. 
although some had died as a result of having acid or boiling water injected into their brain. Dahmer's, Dahmer readily admitted to engaging in necrophilia with several of his victims' bodies. I just think that is the most disgusting thing in the world. Like, is there anything more vile than that? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Including performing sexual acts during the dismemberment of their bodies. Yeah. Okay, wait. Remember when I said that there's nothing more vile than yeah. necrophilia? That is. That is actually more yeah, vile. he would, like, have sex with, like, the viscera after he would, like, dismember their bodies, like, right in here. Like, that's what he liked. Like, mm-hmm. he'd, like, cut their torso and then, like, have sex in the viscera- with it. Yeah, in the viscera. Isn't that crazy? Why? It makes me think of... Why didn't he just get a blow-up doll if he didn't want him to move? Well, he did a one when he... I know we really didn't talk about that, but, yeah, before all this started, he did have, a, like, one of those mannequins. But his grandma found it and made him throw it away. Jeez, Grandma, you should have let him... a lot of grams. Yeah, I should have let him keep it. Grandma needs to be woke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so more of the story. If you find that your grandson has a, some strange sex mannequin... Maybe just let it be. Just just look the other way, man. Just let him yeah. do his thing. Yeah. All right. So anyways, uh, moving right along. In yeah. addition to... In addition, Dahmer confessed to having consumed the hearts, livers, biceps... And portions of thighs of several of his victims. Mm. Which is how we got the name the Milwaukee Cannibal. Mm. Or the Cream City Cannibal, sorry. On July 25th, 1991, Dahmer was charged with four counts of first-degree murder. But by August 22nd, he was charged with a further 11 murders committed in Wisconsin. On September 14th, investigators in Ohio, having uncovered hundreds of bone fragments in the woodland behind the address in which Dahmer had confessed to confilling his first victims, Stephen Hicks, Mm -hmm. formally identified Hicks by two molars that they found. Three days later, Dahmer was charged by authorities in Ohio with Hicks' murder. Remember, that murder happened in what, 1978? Yeah, I don't remember. So it was a good 13 years later, and it caught up with him. Dahmer was found guilty and sentenced to 16 consecutive life terms, more than 900 years in prison. But on the morning of November 28, 1994, Dahmer, along with another prisoner, were murdered by Christopher Scarver while they were cleaning the prison gym. Dahmer was bludgeoned to death by a metal bar rod by Scarver, who confessed to a prison guard after doing so, saying that God made me do it. Yeah, he was a schizophrenic. He, he was. Wasn't, he wasn't there for murder himself. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised if he's schizophrenic that he wasn't in a mental institution. Yeah, well, 80s, you know. 80s, yeah. 90s crazy time so um and reading a little bit more was saying that and scarborough actually said he's like when i was bludgeoning him he he didn't fight back he just stood there and took it because he he wanted to die so it's yeah insane. he i mean as troubled and disgusting and vile of a human being he was he did have remorse yeah which is very strange mm-hmm yeah. And it's not typical for serial killers to have remorse at all. They're usually exactly. very egocentric. Narcissists. Narcissists. Yeah. yeah. And he actually wanted to help. Yeah. And he felt bad because he never wanted, he said he never, the killing was a means to an end. Right. He, he said. didn't want like, to kill, kill him, but he wanted to keep these people with him forever. Mm-hmm. He was so lonely, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, but that includes all the craziness with Dahmer. That's his story. Um, so the places we went to, so many good places. So the Oxford Apartments at 924 North 25th Street, uh, where Dahmer had killed 12 of his victims, uh, were demolished in November 1992. 
the site is now a vacant lot. I, I do remember watching it on television when it was demolished. Really? It was like a big deal. Yeah. Crazy. And I know it's still vacant to this day. The city has talked about putting like a remembrance garden or um, other things there, but nothing has come to fruition. It's just still an empty Yeah. You lot. know, I don't know what they should do with it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I do agree that building something on it seems kind of odd. Yeah. But maybe some kind of remembrance to the victims. That's I don't what know. I think. Yeah, that's what I think. Like a park for the... A garden. Yeah, a gar- a something like garden, that. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Something productive. Yeah. So we already talked about the grandma's house in West Dallas on 57th, but our favorite place that we went to, well, the Ambassador Hotel was... Do you want to tell the story? You could tell the story. It was... <gasps> That was really fun. We went to the Ambassador. I had never been there. I had been there before. It was beautiful. The hotel well, is beautiful. Yes, it's beautiful now. It was in... In Dahmer's day, it was not a beautiful place. No. It was very run down and very... So the Art good. Deco stuff came later. Right. Well, they re... It was always an Art Deco hotel, but it was in disrepair. It okay. was like a flop house or whatever. Okay. Back in those days. But in, I'm I think, like the early 2000s, somewhere around there... They oh. redid it and renovated it and brought it back to its formal, former glory. Okay. So. Makes sense. It was very hard for them because they had a very difficult thing to overcome. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Dahmer killed somebody in the hotel. And yeah. also, kind of like, I don't want to call it a sketchy neighborhood, but it's a very, there are, there's some stuff that happens around there. It's not the worst neighborhood in Milwaukee, but it's certainly not a great neighborhood. Yeah. So they have some things working against them, but they yeah. did um, really work hard to renovate it and bring it back to its former glory, and it is beautiful. Yeah. And we got in. Yeah. We went we were there. not supposed to. It was bad. COVID. Everything was closed down. Everything was locked. The and restaurant. Actually, this, what we did... Um, I think it might be criminal trespassing. I mean, are we admitting know. to a crime right now? I don't know. Could we talk about it? Uh, Let's just say we got in. We should probably not talk about it. I think I just admitted to a crime. Oh, well, too late now, Oops. right? <laughs> well, we took a picture. There's going to be a picture uploaded. We did get up to room 507. Which is the room. Which is the room that he killed uh, Tiomian. Tiomi, I feel like mm-hmm. I'm saying Tiomi. that wrong. Um, we took a photo. We were not able to see the room inside. Although talking to my husband, I just found out that the manager for the ambassador, he just told me this like two days ago. I forgot to tell you. He knows them. He's like, Oh, I know that guy. He comes in all the time to get things or whatever. And I'm like, what? I'm like, can you ask him? He's like, I'm sure he'd be fine. I'm like, can we just go inside the room? Just look around. He goes, I'm sure he, you know, I'll talk to him next time he's in. He's like, I'm not going to seek after him, but if he come when he comes in next time. Well, I actually looked online to see if we could get a reservation there and they are booked through like November. So I'm wondering if like Marquette students are living there or something right now. Maybe because it looked empty when we were there. It did, but you could not get any rooms. It was completely booked. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they have Marquette students living there because of the weird COVID all the, life yeah. situation we have the going dorms. on Ugh. currently. So I don't really know what's going on there. Okay. But I did, because I was thinking it would be fun to record this episode there. But, um, and I was looking into it, and then they don't you have any vacancies. Get in. Yeah. Darn. Well, I just want to go in and at least see it. I want to see the room. Yeah. I'm sure it's not going to be <clears> what it was back then, but just standing in those. I mean, I just, I love even being in the ambassador and walking in that, you know, the foyer it's the lobby beautiful. was just 
it was over it was kind of it was overwhelming but but the second best place that we went to uh was shaker's bar Mm -hmm. and shout out to hangman's tour cream city cannibal um Got to sit in the spot where he used to sit. He used to sit in the front. Right when you walk in the door, the first bar stool on the left. He liked to sit there. He liked to drink gin and tonics. And mm-hmm. he would he liked that seat because so he could see all the people coming in and out. And also see the street, anybody walking by. So he would pretty much like he'd be looking for victims sitting there right. drinking his gin and tonic. Exactly. So that place is super creepy. It's cool, but creepy at the same time. Yeah. And just learning about all those places down that, you know, that area and how it used to be. That's where all the gay bars were. Mm-hmm. And There's still a lot over there. There's still, bars, like, that's yeah. where primarily most of the gay bars in Milwaukee are on South 2nd Street. Um, but, yeah, that's where he hung out. Yeah. And the highly, highly re- recommend Hangman's Tours. Uh, Go check them out um, whenever you are in town. They have a lot of different other tours that they do. Um, You you can go up into the, there's like three stories, and Al Capone used to be run his hooch, and it's so exciting. Super interesting. Yeah, very, very. And it's a cigar bar, so if you are into that, you can smoke cigars there. They also do have really cool, um, like, vintage-y kind of like cocktail lists. Oh yeah. You can what get, did you like, have? I had some kind of like I don't even know. It was some kind of like martini, like maraschino cherry kind of a deal. It was delicious. Yes. Um yeah, I liked it a lot. And shout out to the bartenders there who were yeah. so nice. They were so nice and fun, especially yes. that one. I wish I had their names. Yeah, I'm we sorry. could say who they were, but they were awesome. Yeah, so. they were wonderful. They made it really fun for us. Um, they do also have cool things. There's sometimes like mediums and psychics and tarot card readings if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, yes. But yeah, it's just like a cool place to hang out. It's kind of like an old-fashioned like throwback kind Speakeasy of a place. Speakeasy kind of. I kind of get that vibe. feel from it. It almost kind of feels like New Orleans. A little bit, of, yeah. When you go in there, that kind of mm-hmm. feel yeah. to yeah. it. Just creepy and cool. Creepy and cool, and we're yeah. into creepy cool stuff. Yes, we are. We like. And if like you me. are too, you can follow us on Instagram at Down Murder Lane mm-hmm. or on Facebook, Down Murder Lane, a true, compact, true crime podcast. Oh my gosh, Snoop, help me get through the rest Snoop. of this. Snoop. Snoop a loop. Um, Drop it like it's hot, Snoop. Yes. Email us at uh, Down Murder Lane podcast at gmail.com. Or preferably slide in our DMs. Would you stop it? <laughs> All right. So. What? Uh, <laughs> Until next time. Take that trip. But pack wisely. Because you never know who you will run into. Down Down Murder Murder Lane. Lane.